John 7 begins with after these things. It says, we're just going to read the first few verses this morning. It says, after these things in John chapter 7, after these things Jesus walked in Galilee, for he would not walk in Jewry, because the Jews sought to kill him. Now the Jews' feast of tabernacles was at hand. His brethren therefore said unto him, Depart hence and go unto Judea. That thy, that thy disciples also may see the works that thou doest. For there is no man that doeth anything in secret, and he himself seeketh to be known openly. If thou do these things, shew thyself to the world. For neither did his brethren believe in him. And we'll stop reading right there. Now folks, this ain't talking about his brethren as far as uh, these men be also being Jews. This is talking about uh, the sons of Mary's womb. This is talking about his literal uh, fleshly brothers, his half-brothers, mm -hmm. uh, really, because we know that uh, Jesus Christ, God Almighty, was his father. Uh, but we're talking about the half-brothers of Jesus Christ when it says his brethren didn't believe in him. His brethren didn't, uh, didn't believe who he was. Folks, these were the same brethren that would have grown up in the same house with Mary and the same house with Joseph, her husband husband they would have grown up in the same house with the same Jesus they would have heard I guarantee you more than one time they would have heard Mary talk about how she was a virgin when she conceived our Lord Jesus Christ in the womb they would have heard this story from their own mother they would have heard of all these things they would have known the prophecies of the Old Testament but yet his own brethren they did did not believe that he was the Christ, the Son of the living God. And they were here trying to convince Jesus to go up for the Feast of Tabernacles, folks. That tells me that there was six months between the last Passover and between this feast here. For you read in the book of Leviticus as far as the feasts go that the Passover was in the first month, but the Feast of Tabernacles was the take place in the seventh month. So there were six months here between the last Passover mentioned and the time that we are now folks. That's a lot of time for Jesus Christ to do a lot of things that are written within this book. And these brethren would have been aware of the things that Jesus was doing. Not only what we do read but they would have been aware of everything that is not recorded within the scriptures yet they still did not believe that he was Messiah that he was the son of God that he was the cross that was sent to liberate them to be the Messiah to be their king to be their savior Amen. there's a whole church world out there in this shape right yeah. now they have a hard time believing it what do they tell him here? They say, His brethren therefore said unto him, Depart hence and go unto Judea, that thy disciples also may see the works that thou doest. For there is no man that doeth anything in secret, and he himself seeketh to be known openly. If thou do these things, shew thyself to the world. If you really do these things, Jesus, if these miracles that we have witnessed are really 
of God, if they are really something that is a fulfillment of the Old Testament prophecies, shew thyself unto the world. Hey, folks, this was Messiah, their half-brother that we're talking about here, and they are commanding him to do something. They're commanding that he go up to the feast, that he shew himself unto the world. I'm not talking about to the world as a whole, but unto every man that would have been there for the Feast of Tabernacles. Every man, boy, girl, woman that was present, whether Jew, whether Gentile, they were saying, show yourself unto these people. Folks, it wasn't his time yet. You read just a couple of verses on. Just then Jesus said unto them, My time is not yet come, but your time is always ready. The world cannot hate you, but me it hateth, because I testify of it that the works thereof are evil. They're trying to convince Jesus to go up and to prove himself to people, to go up and show that he is indeed Messiah. They're trying to tell, go up to this feast. Hey, there's going to be a blue billion people up in Jerusalem. Folks, there were, there were seven feasts given over in the book of Leviticus, but only three of those feasts did God command that every male in Israel present himself before God in the holy place that God would choose, which was the holy city of Jerusalem. Hey folks, this was one of those feasts where every Jewish male was to be present in Israel, was to be present in Jerusalem. This was one of those times and they were saying, go up there, work these miracles before them. This is your disciples. What disciples? The ones that had left him in John chapter 6. It says, go up there, your disciples, my believe if they witness the things that we are telling you to do. Who are they to tell Jesus Christ what he should do and when he should do it? The church world right now and those that are in the church, that are in the church houses I should say but not part of the church, the capital C church, the bride of Christ. Folks, there's too many people out there right now. They're waiting on a sign. They're looking for a wonder. They're saying, God, if you will just show me this, and Lord, if you will just show me that, then I will believe. Hey, does the Bible not say we walk by faith and not by sight? Hey, it's not the signs and it's not the wonders. It is the belief and the faith that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. I was in that boat one time. I remember very plainly being in that boat. The morning I got saved, I was in that boat. I was saying, God, if you'll just prove yourself. God, if you'll do this, and God, if you'll do that. I'd been under conviction for three days at that point, and I was still looking after a sign. I was still wanting God to work something to prove himself unto me. I said, God, if you'll just do this or do that, then I will believe. I already knew deep in my heart that what I believed all my life was a lie and it was God showing me what a lie it was. God did not have to work anything in front of my eyes. He was wanting to work something in my
And they did. Praise God. The entire world. Folks, I've heard atheists. I've heard evolutionists. I've heard churchy people. I've heard all kinds of people say, well, if God would just do this, mm -hmm. if God would just do that, God don't have to do nothing. God's done sent the, pri the prize jewel of heaven. He's done sent him to be the propitiation for sins. What more do we want? What more do we want out of God? People will say, well, I read about these signs and I read about these wonders and these miracles in the scriptures. Hey, why don't we see them now? Hey, if you ever look at yourself in a mirror, you're looking at a miracle. Hey, how do you think your mama pushed you out of her womb without dying? That was a miracle from Almighty God. It's a miracle you're sitting here that your lungs work, that your heart works, that your eyes work, and it's a miracle that none of us are burning in hell right now. That's a miracle. God wrought a miracle. We don't need any more miracles. People are seeking after miracles. These, these, uh, these people with Jesus, his own brethren, his half-brothers, they were saying, go up, perform these miracles that your disciples might believe. Go up and show yourself unto the world. Hey, folks, Jesus Christ was shown to the world when he was reared up on a cross on Golgotha's hill on the place called a skull. Hey, he showed himself to the world. He said, if I be lifted up, I will draw all men unto me. Hey, he's drawn all men. No man can come to Jesus unless the Father draws him. Amen. Hallelujah. No more miracles need be worked. Now listen, folks. I believe in miracles. I do. I'm one. You're one. Everybody you know is one. As I've already said, the fact that we're not in hell right now, Roger touched on it this morning while he was teaching. said, truth be known, every one of us should be a pile of ash right now. Yeah. Every one of us ought to be consumed with the fire of God. Every one of us ought to be burned up physically, and every one of us should be burning in the flames of hell and be in torments for all of eternity. And it is a miracle that we are not. It's a miracle that God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son. It's a miracle that the only begotten Son chose to come here and die for a filthy, rotten sinner like me and like you. That's a miracle. Amen. No other miracles need be worked. But yet he works. Yet he works. He works them every day. How many of you have heard this one ain't going to last but six more months and three years later they're walking around. Folks, I've witnessed it myself when I used to work at the cancer center in Abingdon. I saw the doctors give patients two and three months to live and I saw them same patients two and three years later that were walking around not being pushed in by a wheelchair. They no longer had their oxygen. They no longer had to come for treatment. They just came once a year for a scan to confirm that God had indeed worked a miracle. Amen. Miracles are worked every day. God doesn't have to do those things. God chooses to do those things. Who are we to tell God what to do and when to do it? Who are these brethren of Jesus Christ to tell Him what to do 
and when to do it. What did Jesus tell the folks that came to him? I know it's recorded in the Gospel of Mark. I know for positive there. Jesus was teaching, and some came to him and said, Your mother and your brothers are outside. They said, they said, your whole family's out there. They're looking for you. And why did they come looking for Jesus? Because they were ashamed of him. They were ashamed of the miracles he was They were ashamed of what he was proclaiming. They came looking for him. He said, who are my brothers? Who is my mother? And it says that he done just like this. He said, they that do the will of my father, the same as my mother and my brothers, the same as my family. Hey, folks, he didn't, he didn't discriminate then between Jew and Gentile either. He simply said, they that do the will of my father, they are those that belong to me. They are the ones that I consider my family. They are my mother and they are my brother. They are my sisters. They are every one of these folks that are kin to me. They are the ones that I lay my claim to hey, these brothers of Jesus Christ had no more right to tell Jesus what to do and when to do it than they had to look at the sun and to tell it to quit shining. Jesus was God, is God and he will do anything that he wants, when he wants and does not need man's permission to do it. We are nobody. No. We are nobody to tell God what to do. Yet they were saying, go up and work these miracles. Go up and do these same things before them. Those disciples that left, those disciples that left it and, and followed you, walked with you no more, the scripture says. That they might believe. Folks, people will make their decisions. <clears throat> people will decide, yay or nay on Jesus Christ. They do it every day. Every time the gospel's preached, and every time that a lost person that the gospel falls on their ears, and every time they exit the doors of the church, or they walk on down the street, if it's a street preacher presenting the gospel to them, every time they reject it, folks, their heart's going to get just a little bit harder. Their, their heart will get harder, and they'll, they'll get that much more firmer in their belief that either there is no God, or they are fine with God, folks. And that is a dangerous thought to have for a lost person. That is a dangerous thought for anyone to have, is that they are all wrath in the eyes of God. For if we are not inside of Jesus Christ, the wrath of God abides upon every one of us. The wrath of God has already been upon Jesus Christ and it will never be upon Him again. So if I am in Jesus Christ, I have no reason to dread the wrath of God, to fear the wrath of God, to be mindful of the wrath of God. I am a duty to warn others of the wrath that is to come. John asked the question to the Pharisees, actually to their messengers. He asked the question, who hath warned thee? Who told thee to flee the wrath to come? Who told you to do so? Call them a brood of vipers. Call them a bunch of snakes. Now listen, John was a wild man. John the Baptist come out the wilderness Wearing his coat of camel hair, eating wild honey and locusts for his, for his daily rations. How many of us would like to do that? Not me. 
I'd do it if I had to, I guess. You get hungry enough, you'll eat anything. But this was John's lifestyle. This was how he lived. And if you read the prophets in the Old Testament, they didn't live much better than what John the Baptist did. Hey, and that's why he came out the way he did. Hey, the Bible says that the law and the prophets were until John. Hey, folks, that tells me that the prophets ended at John. Jesus Christ is the last word to be spoken. He was the last prophecy of Almighty God to be fulfilled. I understand we still got the whole book of Revelation to go, but God has given us in his word what will happen in those days of Revelation, what will happen in the days that John prophesied of that he's seen in a vision on the Isle of Patmos. I understand those things, but God needs not work a miracle, needs not give us anything to reveal anything else unto us. It has already been revealed in His Word. Hallelujah. We need not look any further than His Word. These disciples, these brethren of Jesus Christ, what were they wanting? They were wanting the same thing Peter was, who was of no blood kin to Jesus as far as we know. They were wanting the same Messiah that Peter was. They were wanting the Messiah to come right then and set up his kingdom right then to relieve them of the oppression right then. They were more concerned about that. A temporal, a temporal relief of a governmental oppression than they were the eternal relief of their souls. They were more concerned with what needed to happen right then and there than what all of eternity had laid out for them. They were more concerned, like I said, with temporal relief than they were with eternal peace that they could have with God. And these were mostly Jews. They were Jews. I mean, all these brothers of Jesus were Jews. I'm talking about the other people that followed him around, the other people that witnessed his miracles, the other people that, 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 that followed along and saw him heal the blind and, and raise the lame up off of their feet. He, they, they witnessed all these things. Hey, folks, it was a largely Jewish audience that witnessed these things, and yet they did not understand the Old Testament scriptures that said that Jesus Christ, would, that the Messiah, will come for one he will come for all he will make a way his way yes it will be called peace but Jesus Christ himself said I came not to bring peace but a sword he came to bring division the division was happening then it is happening now and it will happen in the future Amen. Jesus Christ said my time has not come so he told his brethren here now listen don't you confuse that don't confuse that with when he said, my hour is not yet come. No. Hour and time is two different things. You read those in the context that they're given in, and you'll understand them better. Hour was right then and there. That was while he was here. The folks, he said, my time is not come. What were they wanting? They were wanting him to reveal himself in all his glory. In all of his majesty as Messiah, as king. Folks, that don't even happen. That hasn't happened yet. 
And it won't happen until at least Revelation chapter 1 and even further on beyond that. John saw him in his full glory and his full majesty in Revelation chapter 1. But that was in a vision. Hey, when the world will see Jesus Christ in that way you read about it in the gospel of Matthew, Jesus says himself that the Son of Man will come in the clouds with great glory and with great honor. And that's when the world will see him and not one second before it is God's timing when these things happen Jesus said here my time ain't come yet my time to reveal myself in that manner has not come yet hey his ministry was well underway John chapter 2 is when we see his first miracle performed as far as the gospel of John goes when he turned the water into wine at the marriage in Cana his ministry was underway. His miracles were underway. He'd done walked on the sea, for goodness sakes, before John chapter 7. He'd done fed thousands of people before. Then. He was working miracles. And every one of those miracles pointed to him that said, This is Messiah. This is the promised seed. This is the one that will reign from David's throne. This is the one that the prophets of old told us about. Every one of his miracles pointed in that direction. Yet they Jews rejected him. And the people that are in the world around the church are rejecting him in the same manner. Mm. And for the same reasons. Because they don't believe what does say the word of God. They don't believe Jesus Christ is Messiah or they believe in a Jesus Christ that is not the Jesus Christ of the Bible. No need to repent. Mm. No need No need to come and spill your guts at the altar. No need to go to the mercy seat to obtain mercy. No need for any of these things. I understand that that the altar and the mercy seat and all that stuff's Old Testament, but every one of those things pointed at Jesus Christ. Every one of those things signified Jesus Christ. They were pictures of Jesus Christ. Hey, listen, God is still on the mercy seat now. Praise God that He is. That means there's still time for lost people out there in the world right now. But one of these days, my Bible will back it up and I'll go to my grave preaching it. One of these days, my God will come up off of the mercy seat and there will not be any mercy left for anyone at all folks it's coming it's coming he's on the mercy seat now but when he comes off when he comes off folks when God comes up off of the mercy seat there is no mercy there is no chance for repentance there is no opportunity this is the point where people will be crying to the rocks to fall upon them, to hide them from the face of the Lamb and to hide them from His fury and to hide them from His wrath. People will be screaming to die. People will be trying to die. Hey, I don't have any biblical proof of it, but it says that death will flee from them. I am of the mind that people will actually be trying to kill themselves and they cannot do so because they have not suffered under the wrath of the Lamb of God. Hey, when it says Death will flee. I promise you, death will flee from them. And they will have to suffer. Mm -hmm. They will have to suffer whatever God sends. Whether that be fire and brimstone like Roger was talking about this morning. Whether that be creatures. You read about all kinds of unsettling things in Scripture. 
You read about all kinds of things in the book of Revelation. You read about creatures. You read about earthquakes. You read about the, the sea being turned into blood. You read about everything in the sea or most of the things in the sea dying. You read, you read about all kinds of bad things. And people will have to suffer through that. They will have to suffer. You know why? Because God's word says they will have to suffer. Right. Why do they have to suffer though? Because of their rejection of the Lamb of God. Because of the rejection of the Lamb of God, they will suffer the wrath of the same Lamb. Because of the rejection of the Lamb of God, they will feel the fury of the Lion of the tribe of Judah, who is the same Jesus Christ. They will feel the fury of Almighty God. They will feel His wrath coming down upon them. Folks, these brethren of Jesus Christ, when they asked Jesus to go up and to show Himself unto the world, they had no idea what they were asking. They had no idea why they were asking, except that they were wanting something. They knew what they wanted, but both what God wants for us, for outweighs anything that you could want for yourself. Hallelujah. What did I want for myself before I got saved? The list is about a mile long. And God was nowhere on it. Yeah. I wanted all kinds of things for myself. If I, if I told you half of that list, you'd kick me out of this church. You'd never want to see me again. And you know what? You had a list that long too before you were saved. And all of us would be ashamed of you if we knew half the stuff that was on your list. So let's just keep that. Let's just keep that in the closet for right now. God was nowhere on your list. And I and and, and he was nowhere upon my list. But God, God's wants for my life, and God's calling for my life, God's gift for my life. It far outweighed anything of my wants, of what I thought I needed, any of my desires, God's want outweighed that. God's will was worked in my life and I stand before you today as a born again child of God. Hallelujah. Because that was his will. Because that was his way. If I would have gotten my way, if I wasn't in hell right now, I'd still be on my way. If I would have gotten my way, that's exactly where I'd be headed. If I wasn't already there. Folks, these brethren of Jesus's like I said, there were people that were raised with them. People that would have heard their, their mother, Mary, talk about the divine conception. They would have heard all of these things. And they not only that, but they would have grown up with Jesus uh, all throughout his, uh, his, his childhood, through his adulthood. And they had been witnessing a year and a half of miracles and of ministry work of Jesus Christ. 18 months and they still commanded going up you go up to the feast of tabernacles now if you notice Jesus didn't say no I'm not going to go up you all go ahead he said you go up and it says he went after them later on in the scripture he says you all go ahead why was that that they had marched into Jerusalem with Jesus Christ and been announcing this is Messiah. This is the one that was promised to come. And that's exactly what they would have done. If they had marched in at that time, folks, like I said, we were only 18 months into the ministry. He still had another, uh, another year and a half to two years left of ministry before this. If they had done that, it would have thwarted the entire plan of God. But God's plan will never be thwarted. Nope. Jesus knew what he was doing. 
And Jesus had to attend that feast. You know why? Because it was a command of Almighty God that every Jewish male do so. He didn't tell them, you go on up, I'm going to set this one out. He told them to go on up, and he went up by himself in secret. And, and about mid, uh, halfway through the feast, it says in the midst of the feast, hey, he went and he began to teach. And all those Jews were saying, hey, this man's words, who's ever heard of something like this? This man speaks with authority. This man speaking like no has ever spoken before and you get to the end of this chapter the Pharisees officers came back and even the officers Gentile Roman soldiers said no man ever spake like this one you know why because he was more than man he was God and when the Bible says as man speaks with authority that's what they said at the end of the sermon on the mountain over in Matthew chapter 7, you read the very last verse of that scripture. They say, this man speaks with authority. This is amazing. You know why? Because that man was authority. Not only did he have authority, he was and is authority. When we, when we see this feast and we see the end of the chapter and we see the Pharisees ask the officers, why didn't you arrest him? They said, no man's ever spake like this man. They went to arrest Jesus. Listen, these weren't Jewish officers. There was no such thing. They were under Roman rule. Mm -hmm. They had to send Roman officers to do their bidding. Yeah. So when these Gentile Roman officers came back, they said, no man ever spake like this. Mm -hmm. They had gone to arrest the Messiah, and yet they were arrested <coughs> by his words. Mm -hmm. Sounds to me like they had some conviction on them. Yeah. Sounds to me like they believed they believed more than the Jews that were listening to him. All it did with the Jews was create division. But as I already said, Jesus said, I came not to bring peace but a sword. He said, I'm going to cause division. He said, hey, there's, there's going to be something. I got even prophesied it back in the Old Testament. He said, you, can't, you won't be able to trust those of your own house. Jesus Christ said the same thing. He said, mother will be against daughter and daughter against mother, son against father and father against son. Hey, that's the way the gospel works if we preach the gospel and it doesn't cause division somewhere we have preached it wrong because the world will be offended by it the world will be offended by the blood of Jesus Christ. The world will be offended that they can do nothing to earn their salvation. That the price for salvation has already been paid by the death of Jesus Christ. That's what offends the world. That they can have nothing to do with it. They want to be able to pat themselves upon the back. They want to be able to fork over enough money to do enough good works. And folks, there is no work will be accepted except the finished work of the crucifixion of Jesus Christ on a cross at Calvary. Man. That's all the work yeah. that God's going to recognize. That's right. These brethren, these other Jews that heard him uh, later on, I heard him teaching. Even the Pharisees, except at least one, a man named Nicodemus. None of, they all had a hard time believing Jesus Christ. They had a hard time believing that he was Messiah, that he was the promised one. What did, what did Nicodemus tell him there at the end of the chapter? He said, does our law judge a man? Does our law judge a man before he hears what he's done? That was the words of Nicodemus. 
The same Nicodemus that came to Jesus by now. John makes that very clear in his gospel. He didn't want him being confused with another Nicodemus that might have been out there. This was the same Nicodemus of John chapter 3. The same Nicodemus that came to Jesus and Jesus told him he must be born again. And and, and it it stooped Nicodemus when he said that. He said, can I climb up into my mother and be born again? Jesus said, marvel not that I said you must be born again. And he asked him the question. He said, are you not a teacher of Israel and you don't know these things? Hey, if you don't know the natural things, how can I explain to you the spiritual things? This is the same Nicodemus. 18 months later. 18 months we took to get to this part. John chapter 3, it was midnight in Nicodemus' life. It was black. It was dark. It was wretched. It was stormy. It was all kinds of things. John chapter 7, midnight had done past, and the sun was coming up on the horizon. In John chapter 7, you get over after the crucifixion. When Nicodemus and Joseph of Arimathea go and beg the body of Jesus, Nicodemus supplies the spices. Mm-hmm. Folks, that was, that was the middle of the day. That was midday mm-hmm. in Nicodemus' life, in his spiritual walk. we got three different phases of his life in the Gospel of John. John 3, John 7, and I believe it's John chapter 19. That's how slowly grace works. Folks, that's three and a half years about. Three and a half years of Nicodemus's life. All summed up there in the Gospel of John in three separate events. It took that long for Nicodemus to make a public profession that he indeed believed in Jesus Christ. Now listen, I, I think he believed in John chapter 7. I think he did. Otherwise, he wouldn't have straightened them Pharisees out. He wouldn't have said, to, does our law judge someone before it knows what they've done? He wouldn't have asked that question. He just went right along with them, with the rest of the Pharisees. Folks, by him saying that, he was risking being kicked out of the Sanhedrin council. But they did nothing to him. You know why? Because God didn't let them. You ever wonder if Pharaoh, (coughs) if Pharaoh ever thought to himself, right before the waters came in on him, why can't I kill these Jews? Why can't I just exterminate them? Why can't I catch up to them? I'll tell you why, because God didn't let them. That's right, he took the wheels off the chariots. They was dragging, they was dragging chariots with nothing more than axles on them. Across a, across a dry seabed. My Bible says them Jews went across on dry ground. If you read any of these accounts, it says it was ankle deep water. You throw that in the trash. You don't believe that the Bible says it was it was dry ground that they crossed on. It says that God in the book of Psalms caused a strong east wind to come. And that east wind is what parted the waters. What was the east wind? It was a wind that blew in from the east. It picked up all that desert sand. It picked all the heat up off of the desert. And it came and it parted the waters of the Red Sea. And that's why it wasn't even damp on the water or on the bottom where the water was because the east wind picked up the sand and it laid it across the damnness. If my Bible says it was dry ground, then by gosh, it was dry ground. Pharaoh didn't kill the Jews because God didn't let them. (coughs) Aiden, over in the book of Esther, he didn't succeed. 
Why? Not because of Esther. Not because of Mordecai. Not because of Artaxerxes. Not because of any of these. It's because God didn't let them. Hitler, he didn't succeed in killing all the Jews. Mm -hmm. Although he killed about six to six and a half million of them. And about five million other people that wasn't even Jews. He didn't succeed though. Why? Because God didn't let him. Jesus telling his brethren here, it is not my time. Folks, it will be his time one day to reveal himself in all his glory and in all his majesty. It will happen. Like I said, do not confuse him saying that here with what he says in some of the other gospels where he says, mine hour has not yet come. His hour was coming then while he was here on this earth and his hour did come. It came that he was to be put on that tree and it came that he was to be killed and to be crucified and give his life's blood for you and I. That hour came. But the time that his brethren were asking for now or in this account that we're reading here, that time had not come then and it has yet to come. But it will. It will come. One more thing. We already read it. The world cannot hate you, but me it hated because I testify of it. That the works thereof are evil. Folks, that had to sting the side of his brethren. It should have if it didn't. He says, the world cannot hate you. Why would the world hate, a, hate, hate, hate the brethren? The world hates anybody that follows Jesus Christ. Mm-hmm. Folks, the world hates God's people, and it's been that way from the very beginning. Yep. Not, not just since the time of Jesus Christ. Mm-hmm. I just got through listening to you people that wanted to kill the Jews yep. over the centuries. Mm-hmm. And not only that, hey, we can go on to the New Testament times. Why didn't Nero succeed in killing all the Christians? I'll tell you why, because God didn't allow him to. Yes, he killed a whole bunch of them. And yes, he was a sick man. He was a sick ruler. Some of the things that he done to the Christians. I understand this, but God did not allow him to exterminate the believers. God has always had a remnant. And hallelujah, he will always have a remnant. I read about it all throughout the scriptures, both Old and New Testament. God always has someone to go forth proclaiming his word. If he doesn't, folks, if that wasn't the case, we could all throw away our Bibles and never enter another church. God always has a remnant. He has always got followers. He has always got people proclaiming this word, proclaiming the gospel of Jesus Christ. And it will be that way until there's no further need for it here on earth. When will that be? That will be when there is a cleansing like we've never experienced before. When there is a cleansing of this earth, even in Noah's day, they didn't even experience the cleansing then, like the cleansing we're going to have. For hey, folks, it was still the same earth after the floodwaters receded. After all these things happened, it was still the same cursed earth underneath all that that God had cursed way back in the garden when the fall first happened. But there's coming a cleansing one day. Praise God. Where John said I saw a new heaven and a new earth why did he see these things because the first heaven and the first earth were passed away God's going to burn it all up he's going to create all things brand new 
Christ is the righteousness of God. Jesus Christ is righteousness. If we are righteous, it's because we have Jesus Christ, and it's for no other reason whatsoever. You go ahead and you try and keep the law. You go ahead and try and be a good boy or be a good girl. You keep on trying to do these things on your own. But outside of the man Jesus Christ, there will be no righteousness, there will be no holiness, and there will be no salvation. He is righteousness. 